Get everything you need for your next project today at Menards and save big money. LP SmartSide products are the number one brand of engineered wood siding. SmartSide trim and siding offers long-lasting performance and delivers the warmth and beauty of traditional wood. Save big money today at Menards and LP SmartSide products. Plus, visit Menards.com to view the weekly flyer and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big money at Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into another edition of the JV Sports News Podcast. I'm Ben Conley, joined by Jeff Fitzpatrick, and we are out of sorts tonight. So we will be giggly and laughy and hopefully talking about sports in a coherent manner for at least a part of this. We Jeff. probably won't be. I mean, we weren't. I tweeted out this wasn't even happening tonight, so I mean, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> surprise. Surprise. We are all it's today. Yeah, I mean, you have a big life event happening, so it True. explains it. it. That kind of explains it. Uh, if you're not aware, I've taken progress at Charlottesville, UVA men's basketball, and also a few other sports. At. So I'm like baseball. Out, yeah, <laughs> like baseball. So I'm trying to figure out when I need to be places, where I'm supposed to be, how I can get paid, where I'm living, all. Uh, yeah, it's a struggle. <laughs> but I'm going through it. I'm alive. I'm very out of date on on uh, Twitter-related things or really anything ever. So we're here. We're alive. <laughs> Jamie sports are occurring. We'll roll through this podcast. We'll talk some football. Um, still haven't really watch the Olympic sports much this fall season if I'm being completely transparent. I will also be transparent. Very little as well. I'm just waiting for conference play if we're being honest. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the time when things really turn. It's time to watch stuff and do all that stuff. And uh, clarify for people, I will still indeed be doing JMU sports news related things. While working the daily progress, it might be less frequent, but I'm also significantly closer to Harrisonburg, which makes it um, a bit easier to do things and to like consume Jamie sports on like television and just maybe even like in person. Oh, you have you'll see the game on uh, on TV. You don't have to get Flow Sports anymore. 
I know there's a chance I actually watch the game somehow. Even though NBC Sports, I, I think Washington. I'm working, so I'm not sure how much I'll watch. Oh come on! I mean, I, now that there's a a bar in New York City that I can go to and watch JMU games, I saw that. I'm very excited. <laughs> That's pretty nice that they're they're hooking that up in like the it was like the Hoboken, New Jersey, and they were looking out for everybody there, which I thought was nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's in Hell's Kitchen, so I'm very excited. That's good. Yeah. The Jamie watch parties are always a uh, always good time. I'm I'm expecting um, a raucous atmosphere, just like Bridgeforth. Yeah, just like Bridgeforth. We'll see if it is the same atmosphere after halftime. I guess. Yeah, that that that's the key point. Does the bar empty out? I it, I feel like against Morgan. We'll get into this later, but against Morgan State, the game will be over after two possessions. It should be over fairly quickly. I would. Be about Morgan State and, and seeing about them. I don't think this is a particularly particularly enticing game. So, before we get into all of that yes. fun football talk, let's roll through men's soccer, women's soccer, field hockey, volleyball, and I think golf's had stuff happen. They did. So, first, let's start off with the soccer's men's soccer. They won a good weekend at uh, here's some buzz marketing for you the Fairfield Inn by Marriott JMU Invitational I believe they won all of the games that this weekend including a big conference win against Hofstra and Tyler Clegg picked up uh, offensive player of the week for the CAA good weekend for him definitely a good weekend <laughs> definitely a good week in either game he came in off the bench and still won offensive player of the week for a couple of good performances. Uh, you mentioned the Hofstra win, which was the first. It was a Friday win, and they beat Loyola 3-2 to two in, like, double overtime Yep. on Sunday. Kind of a little, I don't know about concerning, but definitely a little interesting that that game actually went to double overtime. Um, yeah, I mean, good for J.D. Mensah. Two losses. I don't know that the Dukes are quite the season, but I do think this is a promising to get back on the right side of things. Yeah, I mean, these two wins aren't going to catapult them back into national rankings, but they're good stepping stones for now traveling down to Elon this Saturday, and then what, a week from today they'll be playing Wake Forest at JMU, and I put it in our outline. That's kind of that's the measuring stick, I think, for this team coming up is Circling that Wake Forest game, number one team in the country. How well do you play in that game, I think, is kind of where we can learn just how good is this team compared to last year's team. Right. I'm still for matches as to what we really have with James Soccer, but I think uh, once, once them play against the number one team in the country, and it's at home, which yeah, edge, if they can, even if they just keep it close, I think it gives you a sign that okay, maybe this is a team that can do something rather than um, a team that might take just a step back. Yeah, I think a 3-1 loss, put up a goal, and maybe even if it's 2-1 for an extended period of the game, I think that's a that's a good good loss. As weird as that sounds, that's a good loss. Yeah, I think with some of the JMU athletic programs, there are like there are moral victories, right, when you're playing against really good Yeah, at a comp. I think keeping it close is a big Soccer is probably one of the programs that, that doesn't take as many just because of last season, but I still think if they can keep it close to Wake Forest, that's a good building block. Yeah, and another game I'm kind of circling on this. Looking ahead to October 15th, they're actually going to travel to Charlottesville, Virginia to take on uh, UVA. You might have a little bit of uh, stuff to do with that game. Yeah, well, maybe I'll be covering that one. I know I'll definitely be on the uh, Jamie men's basketball when they come to UVA. So that'll be an interesting interesting one to I know that's two games into the season. I think for both um, I think Charlotte or something like that and then UVA's got um, Syracuse. But that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, teams have played each other in the last few years. Football plays sometimes. So a lot of uh, UVA JMU action. It's going to be exciting. Moving from men's to women's, tough schedule continues to be tough. I think they've dropped their last five now. They're, to double check. I think it's four straight. 
believe, one and five, and then four straight. Yeah, yep, you're right, because they won against St. John. Yep, drop to Georgetown, drop, and then drop to Penn State. They've not fared too well against uh, ranked opponents this season. Combined struggle. 10 to 5. Yeah, the Washington State one was the, the real bad one. They actually yeah. were competitive than I expected against Penn State. I think they scored like a minute in the match or something crazy. Held the lead until right around the 40 mark. Um, and then gave up a couple goals there in like a 10 minute span to eventually lose 2 to 1. But on the road against Penn State to, to lead for yeah either the entire first half or at least most of it, that's I think that's a good building block for them. The St. Joseph's game is one they probably could have been. So what the overtime loss to Seattle, I mean, they're one five, but they could be three and three, maybe if they were a couple of those. So I wouldn't overreact to it. We saw last year, they started very similarly in non-conference. I think that they're probably going to struggle a little bit in the next four non-conference games before really rallying in CAA play. Yeah, and you said it last week. You, there's really no downside to scheduling a tough out of conference slate, like like women's soccer does, like volleyball does. It, it it can only help you in the end. Exactly right. It just prepares you for conference play, and then if you do happen to have you know like a softball kind of team, um, where you're able to beat, and send your there and and actually post a legitimate NCAA tournament resume, sort of despite. Um, a CAA conference league. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there are some positives positives to that. And what's net Field hockey. I was one ahead. I was going to volleyball. That's why I mentioned volleyball. Tried to have that good segue, but shot myself in the foot. Going <laughs> to field hockey. <laughs> They're kind of uh, showing signs of life here. Two and two overall. Lost 3-0 to Ohio State, which was kind of – a r- not rough because you've only allowed three goals against a ranked opponent, which is fairly certain, but couldn't find that what cage is it called in field hockey? Yeah. Couldn't find it. And then they go and beat Georgetown. So still at 500 signs of life here for field hockey. Definitely. Um, too many like impossible games left for Maryland on the road on Sunday. So, that one you can you could probably pencil in. How they play against American on Friday will be sort of telling. That's a winnable, winnable contest there. Um, if they can just continue playing well against unranked foes, I think that's a big deal. If that's something that you do. I do yeah. think it's a better. I don't think it's like an NCAA tournament team or anything like yeah. that. At least at this point in the season, better team than last year, and they will be coming to Charlottesville in mid September. Ooh, circle that one. Be there, folks. (laughs) I expect you to go to all of these games when Jamie comes to Charlottesville just so you can come onto the podcast and give your in-person eye test to everyone. Because right now, um, when it comes to Olympic sports, I think now that neither one of us are at JMU and I'm not working the games seeing it firsthand and you're not working the games seeing it firsthand i think our uh our the our lack of watching is kind of starting to show through here <laughs> yes <laughs> we did have a nice stretch last year where i was tuning into a bunch in person that lot and that was that was helpful it's to tell with these teams when you're not watching them in person so we're giving our best our best foot forward here but the, you know, i mean it's really hard to interpret a box score and, and act like you know what team you know. Yeah, and also when so many of them, like right now, the next game you can watch of JMU's for volleyball will be a Facebook Live. I mean, they have an ESPN Plus game against mm-hmm. Florida here in a couple, in a three days. But like, if you don't want to pay or like a JMU run broadcast, that's not until September 28th. So like, a lot of these sports also just don't have the coverage as other sports. Right. And that's sort of, you know, part of the reason we even just like news is just like at least both. But yeah, in terms of like video coverage and, you know, yeah. media coverage is obviously extremely limited. I can't, I can't tell you the last time I read like a article. It's probably been 
whenever the breeze has done it. But yeah, so I mean, it's yeah. just it's tough to consume. Which diehard JMU fan because this volleyball team I think is good. Field hockey making good strides. Men's soccer maybe a season, and then women's soccer as contending a title. So I, I wish there was more coverage, even though it's you know it, it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. And speaking of volleyball, they had a great, what was this, the High Point Classic hosted by High Point. Um, they won two of their three matches, and the third match was uh, their opening one against Kennesaw State that they dropped a heartbreaker to, losing in five sets. I won't run down the scores, but I can guarantee you guys it was all close. Yeah, uh, that was a good one. Five-setter, and then picked up the two wins against Furman and High Point. So in straight sets. Right, right, exactly. I think it was a, a positive end, definitely. Um, and could have been, could have been a win. So they'll wish they had that one back, no doubt. But um, tough loss to Kennesaw State. Two solid wins. They've got a reasonably difficult schedule weekend. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good team. Like, I think this is probably one of the most underrated programs that JNU has. And I've probably said that a few They're good. We'll keep a counter we, going of it. <laughs> we should. We should get a little, a little thing and we'll put it. We'll put it, but we'll put it up. In, in, in the listeners' minds. This is yeah, we'll, we'll all, get some sort of sounds. chip that we can put in your mind. We'll start <laughs> counting. No, but I mean, we're a good team of them compared to maybe some of the other programs like the Olympic sports in terms of how much love they get. But I think, at in my opinion, very underrated. I love – I think our volleyball team's one of the top – I mean, I think they are the top CAA program. Yeah. And in terms of coverage, I think they have the least amount of – now, I'd say field hockey has the least amount of coverage. But volleyball's yeah. right there behind them. Soccer's, it seems like at least the breeze has, like, game recaps going out mm-hmm. on them. But field hockey and volleyball, it just seems like – Especially when I was writing, and I bet when you were an editor with the Breeze, like getting writers to cover those two sports were probably the hardest. I spent many a night a field hockey field on Friday night covering those because we could not. And it was a blast, you know, because like, you can still go out. Yeah, yeah it, they were. I covered a field hockey game. It was against Towson, I think. And it was a game where JMU, it was when JMU was like, cream of the crop CAA and like ranked nationally year in and year out. And they had like 50 shots on goal compared to Towson's like two. Yeah. Just really fun to watch. It's also got a crazy backdrop. Field hockey. I guess yeah, field or, or stadium. Like the, you got mountains, like like the way they play their Friday night, basically like guaranteed to be, like a perfect sunset like it's a, it's a that was our unpaid advertisement for jamie field hockey yeah that can be our new sponsor just like the university hit us up and we'll, we'll plug Jamie. in that that sunset background <laughs> and moving from gassing up uh field hockey and volleyball I think women's golf finished third out of 10 at the William and Mary Invitational. Yes. Um, which is fairly solid. And then the battle at Briars Creek for men's golf was canceled. So it was great stuff there for golf. <laughs> women's golf. I don't think, I don't know that any of our listeners are particularly interested, but Tommy Baker, the head coach is doing a massive turnaround there. They've gotten significantly better have young players that are really good uh, in high school so it interests interests me a bit uh, but they're they're legit and he's done a lot of really good things there i remember come um, they just weren't good like throughout my my years there and just didn't really um improve really <laughs> they kind of just stayed the same and, and not that the individual players didn't i think they definitely made strides like with their game just like as a team they never really piece it together so to see them <laughs> last year they had like two or three match play wins and now they're getting third in the first fall tournament here there program which is really cool because you look at some of the best golf programs in the country they're mostly like in the south but jamie's got a, they've got 
it's a good place to play golf. Um, I think Lakeside is like where they play a lot of golf. It's a, it's a nice course. Um, yes. Golf program, the women's golf program is actually becoming slightly competitive. And I know that most people listening probably don't care, but Tommy Baker is doing a very great job as head coach. You know, I'll, I will second everything you just said Love it. for the main fact that I don't follow golf at all at JMU and I hardly follow the PGA tour and like professional golf. So I'll let you have that opinion and I will, I will second it and I will defend that if any listener wants to argue it. Love it. If anybody wants to, <laughs> to take us out to play golf. I would love to play golf. It's fun. So if anybody wants to take us out in the Harrisonburg area, let us know. Or Hoboken. Or Hoboken. If you just want or to Charlottesville. <laughs> really? Or yeah, just name it. We'll find a way to get to you. We will so. do that. We will make it work. <laughs> Going off of all of that. Man, it's been a weird beginning of this one. It's just struggle with podcasts. Man, my life is in shambles. <laughs> Normally, after podcast, after we finish recording, there's some applause and we pat each other on the back. I think after this one, we'll kind of just be putting up question marks. <laughs> this is a very interesting podcast. Like, I think we're doing this podcast today, and then I was like, "Yeah, I guess." I think we'll it's also it. an hour later than we normally record. That's true. And complete side tangent here today my landlord was replacing the boilers for the unit. And he, he said uh, that I had to be out of the unit starting at 10. So I was out just walking around Hoboken and going into coffee shops from 10 to like one or two today. <laughs> so I was just walking. And so I'm really out of it now. <laughs> I was moving in temporarily to a friend's apartment here in Charlottesville. And as I was, I was, I spent about 40 minutes before moving in where I was sifting through Craigslist, looking for like a potential permanent <laughs> home in a gas station parking lot. So <laughs> what gas station, what, what, what buzz marketing are we going to get? It was a BP and it was I'm not going to lie. It's an iffy BP. Oh, a B. I thought you said a BT. A BP. Interesting. Interesting choice of British it was set up. It was ridiculous. It was just like it wasn't set up well. The way you had to pull in, and like everyone was blocking everyone. Oh, it was one of those. It was just like way too crammed. And it's like, why did you put a gas station here? But I got gas, and some <laughs> some kind elderly woman behind me was not mad that I filled up like 15 gallons as I was blocking one wide open spot because I like got it <laughs> in the second of the two. It was, it is what it is. We are what we are. Uh, you know what is what it is else too. We're transitioning. I don't even know where it's going. JMU football against St. Francis. <laughs> I'm not even going to question the logic. I love it. <laughs> Perfect decision. Uh, I only watched like the first couple of series and then I left. And yeah, I really didn't watch this game a lot. I've seen a lot about red zone struggles. And what, what really surprised me in the game was Solomon Van Horst getting a majority of the carries and Percy. I didn't see Percy play during the first quarter. So that was all kind of surprising to me. You went back and kind of watched the film a little bit. What were kind of those red zone struggles? Yes. So I was at a wedding on Saturday. Shout out to love. Shout out to love. <laughs> and I did go back because I was staying at my brother's house for like two days. and I had nothing going on. I was like, I write the newsletter that goes out on Mondays. You can subscribe on jamiesportsnews.com with the newsletter channel. Um. But if I'm going to put the yeah, I'm going to put this out. I should know slightly what I'm talking about. So I went back and watched the Madison archive. Shout out to Madison for archiving it. <laughs> and the Red Zone struggles were not ideal if you're a Jamie fan. So Ben DiNucci was pretty good in this game. He was 16 of 21. I think he had like eight yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He also fumbled on the goal line. Well, that they could have or they did recover themselves, so it didn't actually cost the team. 
He missed a guy who was open in the end zone for a touchdown. Um, he had another red zone possession early in the game, though, where he hit Jake Brown on an absolutely dropped. Um, so you can blame him for some stuff. He had another pass that should have been intercepted to Stapleton, Dylan Stapleton in the end zone that was dropped, and then I think that he took the goal there. So Danucci wasn't perfect, but I would say that he was good. He did some things with his legs, made a few nice throws, but he was far from perfect in the red zone struggle that and Zignetti said this in his own he's like it's not the play calling it's not the scheme it's just like Danucci made and he didn't name him by name but he's like we made a few bad reads and just didn't execute so I don't think that it's the same really as the offensive line kind of struggled and they couldn't get things going I think part of it is that um, they just didn't execute right it's not a scheme thing it's not anything like that it's just you missed throws and he also had a play where he missed a read probably could have given it to the to the back and the one he pulled and, and fumbled and it would have been like an easy touchdown so i think they'll get that cleaned up in my opinion i wouldn't i wouldn't freak out too much but i think spoiled from like 84 to 7 victories where you see 40 wrong it's like nothing just breathe <laughs> take your soul the bridge for it and just enjoy the game like it's okay I we're do. two weeks in I do think we kind of sold St. Francis short. I mean, yes. they weren't good on offense, but, like, defensively they were be- – I think, at least for myself, I think they were better than what I expected, and they were better yeah. than what the first drive indicated because when you watch that first drive of the game, yeah. like, it was gaping holes, and Van Horst, like, I'm pretty sure got 50 of his 86 yards on that first, <sighs> right. like, drive, like – so I think based off of all of that, we and going into the game thinking St. Francis is going to be another non-conference 80 to 7 win. When it was 44 to 7, you kind of step back and you're like, wait, wait a second. But I think St. Francis defensively at least was better than what was expected. Offensively, they were terrible. I mean, what? They had they didn't get a first they didn't get a first down through like the first three quarters or something like that. Right, yeah, I mean, they didn't, I think they got, like, the first drive, they did something okay, and then after that, I think they had, like, 10 straight three and outs or something crazy, um, which is pretty wild, you know, <laughs> to, to not be able to get one first down for that long, and they, like, barely crossed midfield or didn't cross midfield until late in the game, so Jamie's defense is awesome, and I think it's important, and they still don't get the turnover, and they don't, I think they have one sack on the stat sheet, and it's, like, D'Angelo Amos. So I think that's something that they're going to look to sort of reconcile. But they're good. Like, it's a good defense, really good defense. Really offense good defense. Is, offense is pretty good, and um, we can get into this later, maybe, but if, about the fact that, like, Riley Stapleton hasn't played a game. Like, that's one of the better receivers in the entire FCS. He can dominate games. He's a tremendous red zone threat. People are like, oh, wow, I wish we had more downfield passing and, and you know, red zone touchdowns wow, if only there was a 6'5", 225-pound receiver coming back in two games. <laughs> like, I wouldn't panic too much when you've got that guy on the sidelines ready to come in in a couple games once his suspension ends. So, I don't know. I think he's going to make the offense a lot better. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I honestly completely forgot about Stapleton coming back just because, like, that's not my, like, you know, like, right, right. now that's not in my thought. I'm thinking – Brandon Polk is doing really well and, and mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, Stapleton coming back is going to be huge for the main fact that a 6'5", 225 guy who we saw what he did against Weber State. Yeah, he didn't have like a breakout season last year like everyone was expecting. He wasn't like a 100 catch, 1,000 yard right. receiver, but that's also not what this offense is. And I think he fits this offense really well. So I think when he comes back, Danucci will have one of his favorite targets back, not to mention Opposite him will be Brandon Polk, who now we've seen mm-hmm. has an amazing repertoire with Danucci. So I think that kind of one-two punch, I think that's when we'll see Danucci kind of come into his own. And you wrote about it on jamiesportsnews.com a couple of weeks ago, like four reasons why Danucci's going to have a breakout season yeah. or a great, a good campaign. And I think when Stapleton comes back and he has his full repertoire of receivers, then we'll kind of start to see Danucci settle down back there and find his connections because last season he both the Stapleton brothers were his favorite targets exactly yeah 
I think he, he really loves Riley and what Riley can do. And the other thing that stands out to me a little bit, and we'll get into the running backs more, um, is the Dukes like haven't had 100 yard rushers like they did. I think in 2016 they had 18 like separate individual 100 yard passes um, across the entire season. Yeah. They had like it was like five in 2017 last year, and it all came against Towson. And then they haven't had any through the first two games this season. And for me, I think the reason that they haven't done that. But I do think part of getting 100 yards when you do a running back by committee is breaking off. Um, and when you look at JMU and you look at how they're able to do that, I think that Riley Stapleton on the outside locking down like corners so yeah. that they can actually run to the outside is kind of a huge thing. So I think that he helps in more than just the fact that he's a really good receiver. He's also a guy that can block downfield. So I think that Stapleton returning is, is bigger than people are maybe making it out to be. Yeah, and here's a little bit of a hot take that I may have that you may not agree with. Speaking of 100-yard rushers, and JMU hasn't had a lot of them since 2016, I'm not a big fan of this running back by committee. Mm -hmm. I I really think it kind of messes with timing and, like, patterns and not consistency, but what's that word? Like, momentum almost with a running back? Yeah if you keep pulling him in and out, like Van Horst is a great number one. And so is Percy. Like, don't get me wrong. It's great that you and Jawan and Douglas, like it's great. You have them that can come in, but I think like just having one guy who gets 20 to 25 carries a game and you have another guy who can supplement in maybe 10 carries a game. <laughs> I think that's when you'll start to see Jane, you kind of, blossom into a better rushing attack than it is because now you have four I mean they've been rotating in four different rushers so you're seeing four different running styles that's four different ways the line has to block that's that's so much difference and that's where I think the downfall of running back by committee comes yeah it's a really interesting point um, and they talked about it on the Jamie sports blog podcast today as well and I'll, I'll give them a shout-out. I thought they made a lot of really good points today, and, and not just because they gave me a kind shout-out at the beginning of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but, no, they did a good job. They talked about, like, sort of like you were saying, when they talked about, like, the rhythm of running backs and, like, getting into a rhythm based on, you know, the amount of carries and stuff. And I totally get the, the way they've done the committee here in the first. Rhythm, that's the word. That Man. is the word. I, I totally get, <laughs> like, the rationale, maybe, especially in St. Francis when you're up by that much, like there's no real yeah. reason to give a guy 30 carries. But yeah. when you get in like Chattanooga, Elon, Stony Brook, Villanova, that stretch in there, and then eventually Towson through two weeks, it looked like a really good football team. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I'm kind of on the same page with you where I would have a guy. And for me, I'm, I'm having Percy be the guy and he didn't have the same stats this weekend, but Van Horst was the number one guy. Uh, when Percy came in, some of those runs, it's with second and, like, even you're pushing, like, third-string offensive linemen. And yeah. they're still really good linemen. I just – I don't know. If you give Percy 14 carries when Van Horst got his 14 carries, I think he matches what Van Horst did. And I, I totally get what Van Horst is doing. Like, the guy's great, especially for a, a walk-on redshirt freshman. Like, he's yeah. been unbelievable. I don't want to discredit him. I just think that Percy's the best back on the team, and I'm interested to see if, in, in my opinion, when he sort of regains that number one spot. And I kind of feel like Jawan Hamilton's going to make a pretty good case for the number. And Van Horse is going to be uh, maybe the third guy. And I think it's more like 1A, 1B, 1C rather than 1. Yeah. I do think that Percy, just given what he's done his entire career, the same with Hamilton. He was unbelievable at UCF. He was a, a starter. Freshman. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm For an undefeated UCF team, like, we forget right. how good Jawan Hamilton is. Really good football player. And I think that when you look at what Van Horst has done, he's really good. Hits the holes fast. Bounces off than you would expect for his size. They're all good backs. But I, I'm still interested to see 25 carries. And he's the feature back. What does he do? And I'm, I hope we get to find out. But you know, the way Van Horse is playing, it's also really hard to say 
make a legitimate case that he shouldn't be the guy who gets the first touches. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Percy kind of shot himself in the foot with his first carry of this this season was a fumble. And I think from there, yeah. it seems almost like Signetti's almost pulled the reins back from him a little bit. That could just be complete game plan and how they planned out these first two weeks and mm-hmm. what they were thinking with Percy. And it just looks bad since his first carry was a fumble. But, like, just piggybacking on all of that and talking about running backs by committees, I mean, in 2016, we saw the the team had three amazing running backs in Khalid, Carden, and Trey. Like, mm-hmm. And Khalid was the best one out of those three. And it was kind of, in that case, it was more of a one and then 2A, 2B with right. Carden and Trey. But this team, I, I, I think you just need to get back to that. And if it's Van Horse, it's Van Horse. He's proven he can do really well if it's Percy it's Percy but I think it's one of those two guys that needs to get the lot the lion's share of carries like they need to get it and get it a lot in a game because each of them having 10 carries for 50 yards it may keep them fresh for longer but at the same time like that's not going to win you games late in the season I agree with that and I also think the one thing that um, interests me and maybe makes me question. Some people have said that, like, well, this is like the long game with the running backs, right? Where you, yeah. you give them all some carries and they're ready for the end of the season. To play devil's advocate, you could also say that if you give one guy 25 plus a game and he gets injured in, let's say, week nine, don't you also think that the number two guy is great? So if the number two guy is great, are you really that concerned? And not in, not in like a weird, like, I don't care if he gets hurt, but like in a way that, like, <laughs> Um, no, so then I, he probably I feels comfortable yeah. if someone does get hurt. You know what I mean? So if yeah. you're trying to keep him fresh, you can also say, well, if a guy gets a little banged up, you give him a week or two where he either doesn't play or he gets limited carries, and then you roll with one of the other guys that you like. So, I mean, I don't know that you necessarily need to split them all up. Like, you could also do the other way, where if you split them all up, you're technically, if you want to look at it that way, three of them, where if you give one or two the majority of carries, you're keeping two or three way fresher. So... I think you could sort of, you know, pick mitts and sort of weirdly do the like, you know, always sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie Day thing. <laughs> Got the weird maps on the wall and he's <laughs> drawing red lines between things. You can right, you can create some argument however you want it to. And you'll seem like a lunatic and be like, oh, well, this is how they should do with the backs. I don't know how they should do it. But in my opinion, I think it makes sense if they kind of go with one guy. And I love watching this um, this sort of competition between the guys. I think that Austin Douglas has almost fallen out of the, the competition to get like the number one carries. He thinks he press conference is like more hesitant than he expected. Him yeah. To be. So he was a little, he still got a receiving touchdown late in the game, but um, I think that he is a really good freshman back, but I also think that he is, he's kind of falling just a bit, which is yeah, sort but of expected. When, with the people in front of him. It's exactly, like, right. He would have had to be some all-American back that we exactly. had no idea about for him to really make any type of run. Exactly. Like Van Horse, Percy, and Hamilton. Exactly. It's no slight to him. I just think it's fascinating to watch yeah. this, like, four-headed monster that maybe it's now three. And I'm interested to see in the next couple of weeks, does it finally become two or even one? So, yeah. it's a it's a big game. Um, maybe not for Jane Yu, they're like a 37-point favorite. But it's a big week for Van Horst, Percy, and, and Juwan Hamilton to see who sort of separates themselves. And with these expectations going into Morgan State, it'll be tough for the, the player who gets the second quarter and third quarter and fourth quarter carries because those guys will be going up against Morgan State's first-team defense and JMU's third-team offense. Exactly, right. Yeah. So it's just hard to to really get a real look at it. But I wonder at the same time if Signetti's fine with doing running back guy by committee because he's proven in his past, and we've talked about it on past podcasts, how he prefers the running back by committee. There's only been a couple times in his career that he likes giving the ball a lot to one featured back like Malcolm Summers last year. But overall, he likes kind of splitting the carries and not running one guy into the ground. But – It'll be interesting to see because I don't think he's ever had running backs as talented as Van Horse, Percy, and Juwan. 
Exactly. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how it goes. There's a lot of things in play, and it should be an interesting matchup, even if it's just looking at mostly at the running back position this week. But what are your expectations for this game? Do you think the Dukes will, will eclipse the 50-point mark? Do you the 37-point spread? So Morgan State's a bad team. Like, yeah. not to mince words. Like, this isn't St. Francis again. Like, Morgan State's bad. Like, <laughs> This isn't St. Francis, folks. It's worse. They're a lot worse. Like I've said, I think I said it in our week one podcast. They are scheduled against a team that's not in the NCAA. Right. Like for, I think they're called Virginia University of Lynchburg. This school, according to, they don't even have a Wikipedia page because I tried to figure out this like school. I think they have 85 undergrads. The link on Morgan State footballs, like, how they link to each team's page. It's a broken link to Virginia University of Lynchburg's football page. Like, I don't think their football page exists. Like, this is who Morgan State has scheduled. They're bad. So, I ex- JMU will cover that spread. JMU will cover the – bet the over if you're a betting person. I, I retired from betting. So, bet the over because JMU will cover that themselves. JMU is going to win this game probably 80 to seven. Like, and I know we've said that, we said that about St. Francis, but I don't think I can stress how bad this Morgan state team is. Yeah. And they, I didn't know this, but in the O'Neill's press conference, and they talked about this in the Jamie sports blog podcast as well. Um, in the press conference, Signetti had mentioned that they didn't, <laughs> they didn't get spring practice because like they had some NC. <laughs> so they didn't practice in the spring. So they have fall camp. They open the season on August 29th against Baltimore School, and they lost yeah, and 46 they took to like three. a week off, or they had their bye they week. They played in like 16 days. Yeah. And they had like 16 days stuff figured out, but I, I mentioned sports news too, where I was like, like it's, it's definitely beneficial for Morgan State to have those 16 days sort of work on fundamentals and all that. On the other hand, you can't. I mean, there's nobody on Morgan State's roster for the most can simulate like Jamie's speed. So you could give them, you know, four months if they wanted. I don't think it really matters too much when you differential. Um, I mean, it's major slight to, to Morgan State. And Jamie is a very high level. There's a pretty drastic difference between level FCS and high level FCS. Yeah. So I would think Jamie probably at least. That's my bet. And I would also say that they, they do cover the spread. Because I go at 69 on get to 10. So, you know, 50 plus. Yeah. Morgan State last year finished 3-4. and four and, 3-4 and four in conference. Um, they were, however, ineligible for championship and postseason play. And the teams they beat in conference play were teams like uh, Savannah State, Bethune Cookman, Delaware, not Bethune Cookman. That's a solid, not a solid program, but all right. And they beat um, Delaware State and Norfolk State. Okay, so the good, the you know the, the blue really buds. good program. Some of the best. So just to put it in a put it in context, they beat Delaware State nine zero. That sounds like a fun one to watch. No touchdowns. They did beat NC A and T. Um, oh wow, that's a big. But one. that was kind of a trap game. Like NCA and T went into it thinking this team's going to be trash, and you could tell. Like I watched the highlights of that game, and like okay. Morgan State was playing to win, and NC State was playing for next week type of thing. But yeah, this <laughs> Morgan State's going to get destroyed. This is going to be a fun game to watch. Though. It'll be it'll be over in two seconds, and if you're in the New York City area, um, I, I'm trying to buzz market for this uh, bar now. Got to see what it's called as I type into Facebook. I'm going to procrastinate this as much as I can until I can find the post in JMU Nation. And, yeah, come on out to uh, Rattle and Hum West in uh, Hope Kitchen in New York City. I love that it's West. Is there like a Rattle and Hum East that we don't know about? I have a feeling. In this event page, someone's going to be like, I'm at Rattle and Hum East. Uh, where are you <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I hope that comes up. Yeah. All right, so Morgan State, they're bad. We think Jamie will win. I have a question for you. Oh, and I don't ooh, know, here we go. I don't know if you saw this Twitter. I don't know if debate's even the right word. But or how familiar you are with like the stats FCS poll. Oh, is this the one with uh someone getting upset that Lawrence Smith is a voter? Yeah, I wanted to hear your take on whether and I'll give mine after, but your whether or not like fans that are basically a, you know, I mean like Lawrence is obviously an admitted fan and he'll say yeah. as much. Um Yeah, like whether fans open have a vote in the stats FCS top twenty five poll. I, someone, my opinion on it before I read this debate was kind of like, well, yeah, he's a voter. Like, yeah, he's an admitted fan, but he's a voter too. Like, okay, it doesn't really bother me that much. Mm -hmm. But someone made a point in it that kind of supported Lawrence even more. And it was, it said, uh, I would prefer him who is tapped into FCS culture and is tapped into FCS teams and follows along with what all of the FCS is doing to make a vote more than I would prefer a beat writer or an SID to put in a vote who isn't paying attention to the rest of the league, who only cares about, like, that team's game. Like, whoever mm-hmm. they're writing for or covering for that game, and they're not paying attention to the country. So I like that Lawrence has a vote for that. I also like the fact that he's very transparent with his vote. Mm-hmm. If he was guarded and he was like, well, I voted JMU for 1 through 25, like... Like then I'd have a problem, but he's very transparent with it. He shows off his what he voted each week, and it's not like he does JMU number one each week, even after a big loss. Like he represents what, like what happened with JMU. He'll he'll adjust them. Uh, I really can't think of words, but he'll adjust them depending on mm-hmm. how they played. So I I don't mind it. A, an admitted fan being a stats FCS voter. I think that. For me, there's like two trains of thought, right? So you got the one that's like, if the stats FCS poll wants to be as legitimate as like the AP top 25 poll for the FBS, in no way or any form should a fan have a vote. Yes. An Alabama fan had a vote. Everyone would be like, what the hell? But not an FCS football. Like, and that's the point. That's the point that like Joshua Swanson was trying to make, I think, even though he was. He, rather rude about it i think the point he was trying to make was <laughs> was that i mean what he kind of went out of nowhere and like called him out but the was, point yeah the was point fun. he was the point he was trying to make was definitely like if this was an fbs poll and he's not wrong if this was an fbs poll you would never have a fan voting i totally get that and my other train of thought is like the issue with the stats fcs top 25 poll is not warren smith like it's not the fans voting the issue is that there are lots of people in that poll who FCS games and then like have to concoct some random vote that like, that's the main concern with it. The thing that I would say is like when you're the FCS, like the stats FCS top 25 poll really doesn't play much if of any factor in like the position. Like, I think there might be some like bias just by them looking at it, but I don't think it's, it's one of the credentials if I'm not mistaken. I think the coaches poll maybe is one that's allowed to be considered, but I don't think the stats FCS poll is actually considered by the playoff committee. So for me, like when you're the FCS and you have little, not little reputation, but it's significantly lowered reputation. Yes. Football really. I think that it's a good thing to have voters like Lawrence posting their ballot every week and generating discussion on the FCS. Like if nothing else, people are talking about the subdivision. Yeah. So I think that's a big deal for me is like if, yeah, if they want to be the AP poll for the FBS and they want to be super serious about it, then yeah, get rid of the fans. If I don't know that that makes any sense for what the FCS is, what the poll currently is or any of those things. So for me, I'm fine with it just because he watches football and into his decisions and then shows his work, which is, you know, more than like 90% of the voters in that poll. So I don't have an issue with it. Although I do understand like where Josh Swanson was coming from when he's saying that, yeah, maybe it doesn't make sense if we're trying to be this very serious. Just don't know that the stats at the S top 25 poll is a very serious poll. <laughs> yeah. And the poll. And I know that like here sports has done some stuff where they've talked about like, you know, the importance of the poll and 
that it does mean something. And I think it does, but I don't know that, that the fans who currently have a vote are actually hurting the, the poll at all. Yeah, and I, I, I really just think the fact that he's so, like, transparent with it. Right. And that he's so tapped into all of the FCS because he, he's the FCS fans patient, the patient, nation, um, like, Facebook, like, admin. And so, like, he cares about, like, the integrity of the FCS. And he doesn't just go in and put JMU number one after a big-time loss. Like, Exactly. You know, I don't know. Exactly. I think that's important. And I would argue, I mean, you can make an argument that, like, FCS Fans Nation is basically, at this point, almost like a media outlet. Um, I mean, they don't have necessarily, like, the quality of writing. It's like a hero sports. I don't want to necessarily say that but they put out good content a lot of really good discussion among a lot of jamie i mean not jamie fans but just fcs fans in general in their facebook group a lot of good things so i think having them represented in a poll like stats fcs isn't necessarily a bad thing um what stats wants to do with the poll if they want to make it super legitimate then sure it'd be something that's fairly accurate and fun and why would you possibly remove him? I think there was an element there where, and I don't know how long Josh, but he was waiting until he, until he put JMU at him, which I think this might've been the first time he's actually ever done that. Yeah. It, yeah. Two years of voting the poll. Right. So I think the part of, part of the Twitter discussion is probably him sitting on that and waiting to like roast it and generate discussion. Um, so I wouldn't read yeah, too, I mean, too much into it, but looking at his his Twitter profile, I'm very deep in this debate now. And yeah, he's a North Dakota State fan, so I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. the second he put JMU over North Dakota State when I mean I wouldn't do that. I mean Jamie's one and one and North Dakota State's two and oh. Right. I don't so, I don't I definitely don't agree with the entire um, Jamie Williams is another guy who who does a lot of writing. He has like College Sports Journal, and he uh, his profile him and Jamie Gear, right? I think he is a. I think it says like Jamie do MU. I didn't agree with some of that in his poll, but he has logic behind it. I asked him about one. I asked him about like two, and I think Lawrence had similar um, to Jamie. And I asked about like, you know, what was your logic behind having these teams? above the other teams, even though they, like, lost. And he's like, I think, you know, if they played on a neutral field or whatever, ten, seven times, he's not going to be or just what he's seen on the field. And I'm not going to argue with that. Like, if he's watched them and he has a legitimate case for it, doesn't affect the playoff seating, who cares? Yeah. If this yeah, came but, down to the end, like, the stats FCS poll was the end all be all. Like this is who's right. getting into the playoffs and who's not. Then maybe have a separate committee mm-hmm. to make this poll, but it doesn't have anything like that. FCS like stats is trying to just get as many people. Like they're trying to have a wide breadth of people. So and it doesn't affect anything. So just just go with it and don't get so upset that this person put JMU number one over North Dakota state. That may be questionable, but who knows at the end of the season, that might be true. But at the same time, like relax. (laughs) Exactly. And like, even with like the college football playoff committee with the FBS and those four teams, like there's going to be some sort of bias that sort of seeps in. Right. I'm sure there are people on the committee that like, like offense more than the, like Oklahoma, that we drops. People yeah, that are interested in that compared to maybe you know I don't know who has been a great defensive team the last few years that doesn't have a lot of offense. A team like that out there, and maybe they just have like that internal bias that doesn't show that much uh, to the outside viewer. So there's bias in every poll, right? I don't think there's a huge issue with having someone who watches it, who's constantly discussing FCS football with fans across the country of different teams. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think if you're stats FCS, I think if you're hero sports and they, you should embrace FCS fans nation. Like it's a legitimate group that helps make the FCS seem 
at least in my opinion, like more credible and just like there's a lot of fan engagement going on. I think that's important for a subdivision that often gets overlooked. Hero Sports or Stats FCS, like, you know, you're trying to pay the bills and you kind of want the FCS to be as legitimate as humanly possible. And I think that FCS Fans Nation helps with the credibility of just the entire subdivision just by having people talk about it. Yeah. And now what are, and now we're talking about it to our 60 listeners. Exactly. So we've, I would say that we're playing a huge role. The FCS would be. Exactly. Those 60 people that are listening to this, that maybe two of them will go and check out FCS Fans Nation and Stats FCS. You're welcome. Huge job by us. But yeah, I just wanted to bring it up to get, get your take. So it's, it's nice, I guess that we're on the same part there with with how that works. I thought it was an interesting discussion. I, I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of the FCS debates on Twitter. I love I love FCS fans. It's one of my favorite things. That I also love questions like that, like that you'll just bring up on me, like that I didn't have time to like prepare for it. No, I'll actually just like stream of conscious and out and just like speak my mind. Okay. But FCS fans are so great. The post you put on uh, Twitter today at JMU Sports News. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, be sure to go head on over to Twitter and follow us. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook. Just search JME oh, yeah. Sports News in the search bar on Facebook, and we will pop up. And be sure to like us, follow us, do all that good stuff. Um, but that tweet where it was a JMU fan on JMU Football's <laughs> Facebook. That was absolutely cracking up. It was They posted just like a game recap, and somebody was like, they responded and like, I wish we were too good. It was like all caps. <laughs> I actually found it. It's all caps. It says, why are we still playing in Division 1 AA? We should be in Division 1A, preferably the ACC. <laughs> There's so many things wrong with that. Like, one, the fact that he calls it mm-hmm. the outdated 1A and 1 AA. Right. And then also the fact that he puts in his own personal, like, this is what I would go with, and I know you guys care that I want the ACC, so when you get offers, then you'll listen to what I said. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. The, preferably the ACC. Like, yeah, it'd be cool if they could play, like, Virginia and Virginia Tech. That's <laughs> not realistic, though. I mean, if you get into – in his words, 1A, like, then you could do those, like, two-for-ones and one-for-ones, <laughs> like, in non-conference right. plates. But at the same time, homie, turn your caps lock off and, and Google search why we aren't. Like, so much has been written on that. <laughs> you think it might have been a more... I don't know. You just, you're always surprised when you see stuff on Facebook, but... I guess that's why we made a Facebook to stay aware of these amazing posts. Huh. We're here. We're here for the content. Here for the content and stay for the laughs. Definitely. Well, anything out there that uh, we all need to read or anything like that? I know you have a baseball piece coming out here soon. Oh yeah, I'll be writing about UVA baseball soon. So <laughs> stay on the lookout. Well, after this interesting episode of the Jamie Sports News podcast. Um, like I said, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We have a Patreon. We haven't really posted much to that yet. Hopefully that'll kind of start coming up soon. Um, maybe like reaction pods to football games. I don't know. I'm really just spitballing here. Yeah, that's going to do. Um, but stuff like that, go on over to Patreon. Check us out there, JMU Sports News. And also head on over to our website, www. Or actually, HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www.jmusportsnews.com. And yeah, check out all the content there. And yeah, this will, you probably will be listening to this a little later tomorrow because I'm going to edit this all tomorrow instead of tonight because I'm tired. (laughs) Um, But yeah, have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. For Ben Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. See ya.
saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.